Welcome to the Cap City Offers Podcast. This is episode 144. You've got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about training like you fight, or training how you hope to fight, or training how you probably walk around in the world every day. Um, maybe ready for a fight, maybe not. Yeah, um, guys, we, we have you know conversations a, a lot in the shop, um, n- not just around guns, um, you know, in, in the sexier gear and the accessories for guns, but also, you know, we do some EDC carry gear, we do some tactical carry gear, you know, we do belts uh, from Voland and from Magpul, uh, and we do, you know, some, some tactical type gear and stuff like that, like H harnesses and plate carriers and stuff from like Grey Ghost, um, from the guys at HRT Tactical here locally, and some stuff like that. Um, as well, it, it just we, we have a lot of guys come in and they're talking about how they want to get kitted up to go to the range to train, and there's there's an interesting disparity in how they walk around the world. Um, in some cases, you know, without a gun, and we understand that you know if you work at OSU Hospital, you're probably not carrying a gun in and out. Um, it's just not going to happen. If you work um, at the county courthouse and you're a prosecutor or you're you know an admin person down there or something like that, you're probably not carrying a gun in and out. You may have an employer who prohibits that kind of stuff. So stopping in here during the week, you know, on a lunch break or something like that, you may not be jocked up. I, I get it. I absolutely get it. But the reality check is, is that when you walk around the world, if you are going to carry a gun, how are you dressed? Uh, what belt are you rocking? What holster are you rocking? What gun are you rocking? Um, and, and is it realistic versus what you train with? Um, I've, I've all, I've said for years and years and years and years that one of the things about ED, that IDPA that always kind of caught me off guard was watching some dude show up for the match, um, go to one of the jock down zones or, or, uh, uh, probably in the parking lot more often than not, which was a no, no, take a snubby out of his pocket. Um, or an yeah, or an LCP or something small out of their pocket or, or out of, you know, out, or a small gun out of a holster, a G26 or something like that. And then go over and jock up with a G17 or a G34 or whatever the biggest box and biggest gun allowed in the box, you know, biggest gun that would fit in the box kind of thing. Um, now, the flip side of that is we have some dudes in here um, that are law enforcement, um, that are professional firearms guys uh, that do plainclothes work, and and they they they're walking around jeans, t-shirt, and maybe a pair of shoes that gives them away, maybe not, depending on who they are, but in general. What gives some of these dudes away is the fact they're studs. Um, you know, they're probably running 15 or less percent body fat, and they're not kids. Um, they look like athletes. So you would, you know, give them that second glance, like thinking, well, if I was going to punch somebody in the nose in the room, it probably wouldn't be that guy. A um, uh, uh, little side note, never start a fight with a dude with cauliflower ears unless you have cauliflower ears too. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Chris. Um, anyway, so, you know, you're kind of you're talking about how you go around the world a little bit, because when guys come in and they start talking about wanting to train with a war belt, I have a war belt. Absolutely. Um, there are times when we use the train because we'll go out over the winter and it's cold enough that it's, it's, it's almost impossible to access, uh, stuff underneath the layers of clothes you're going to have to wear. And the war belt's super easy to make bigger or make smaller to go over clothes. Um, and the reality check too, is I, I don't, we don't spend a whole lot of time training on the rifle. We probably break down pistol to rifle training, probably 70% pistol, um, maybe 70, 75% pistol, and then 25, 30% rifle. Um, and maybe even a little less than that. If you throw in like med training and stuff like that, that we might do occasionally. Um, so, you know, we get into, you know, what are you wearing around? Um, you know, what kind of clothes are you wearing on the range? Uh, the ability to move in clothes. Uh, and so we're going to, we're going to talk about some of that stuff, you know, just a little bit, touch on a couple different topics, but it's kind of that, like a little bit of a check, um, to say, 
is what I'm doing from a training perspective, both from a what I wear, what weapons I'm using, um, and some of the tactics, techniques, and procedures I think that I might employ um, down the road. Are those things realistic? And if you've talked to us much, you know these are not new topics. We're just going to try and put them in one place, kind of for that reminder, because it seems to have become topical with the world getting crazy. Gas back above three dollars a gallon. A hundred boats stacked up off of Long Beach. Um, you know, stores running out of stuff. Uh, the reality check is. Um, stuff will get weird when people can't feed their kids. Stuff will get weird when there's no toilet pe paper. Um, people will start getting in fights over toilet paper and chicken and stuff like that at, at the big at the Devil's Box store. So be aware of that. And that's kind of, you know, maybe thinking down those roads. So um, clothing, foundational clothing and stuff like that. If you're going to go out on the range and training, you want to do athletic stuff and you like the idea of wearing like cry G3s um, because they've got stretchy panels and stuff like that. And I'm, I get it. It's totally cool. Um, if you like wearing your tactical distributors, uh, Carlos Ray pants, Kia! roundhouse kick, pow. Um, if you like wearing that kind of stuff on the range, that's cool too. If you actually wear it out in the world and there are dudes who do, um, but be aware that that's something that, you know, certain guys are going to be able to identify that certain guys aren't. But if you wouldn't wear it off the range and you're training with it, there's a movement concern there. There's an ability to move concern there. Um, all of you who know me know that I'm a little bit fluffy. Um, and I'm a, I'm a lot slow. Um, went out on the range last year doing rifle stuff. Uh, wore a pair of jeans. Um, guys, if you own jeans that do not have some stretchy material in them, you are wrong. Stretch jeans are awesome. Not jeggings. Jeggings are cool too. Nothing wrong with that. But if you own a pair of jeans that don't have a little, if you don't own jeans with a little bit of stretch in them, you're just wrong. Every pair of pants made today are made with a little bit of stretch in them if you look around much. Uh, we were doing a lot of up and down stuff in just a regular old pair of Levi's. Um, fat boy <laughs> was fighting his clothing. Uh, so, so it's that kind of thing. So I, I get wearing comfortable stuff out on the range that you can move in. Um, if it were appropriate, you know, I mean, I wear shorts on the range a lot, uh, yeah, because of, with your Air Jesus. absolutely. Sometimes with my air Jesus, um, cause it, you know, lets you move, lets you stay cool, etc. Um, but you know, understanding that it, you know, if you're, you got your gear stacked in pockets in your cry G threes, but that's not what you wear out in the world. Um, you know, then, then you kind of, kind of got to rethink where you're going with that gear when you do actually wear what you wear every day. And we can go from that degree to the nth degree of the guy who, you know, puts on his war belt to train with with his handgun because wearing dress slacks and a dress shirt and a tuckable holster or one of the new Filster Enigmas or something like that or um, I'm trying to think of the beast that we have in here from Vertex. Vertex, yeah. Yeah, uh, whatever that pouch is. Uh, Vertex does this um, kind of like it's a fanny pack, but it goes inside your clothing. The Unity clutch Yeah, the Unity clutch pouch uh, designed with Unity Tactical, I believe. Um, and they got it from Sockfee. Yeah, and they, yeah, and so it's a really cool design device that kind of lets you carry a gun in ways you wouldn't normally be able to carry a gun, like shirt tucked in or gym shorts, uh, training attire, etc. Um, you know, so some of that stuff. If you're, if that's how you go around the world, you know, we've got we've got one of our customers. Uh, he does a lot of med training. He owns his own company. Good dude, uh, former Navy corpsman. Um, he was looking at you, Obama. Um, former Navy corpsman. Good dude. Uh, Purple Heart guy. Prior, you know, deployments. This, that, and the other. And, he, and you know what? When he's not out training and at work where he has to wear real uniform clothes and stuff like that, uh, he wears sweatpants um, all the time. Hard to carry a full-size gun in sweatpants. So if that's how you go around the world, train like that from a clothing and foundation perspective. If you don't wear a belt, don't wear a belt, but figure out what to wear that's not a belt. 
Um, if you, you know, if you don't wear tactical pants everywhere, maybe train in some of the clothes you wear on the street and train like you're going to end up fighting whether you like it or not, because the, the fight's probably not going to come to you, um, at a class or a training event or something like that. So, um, you know, it, we, we, we call your clothing and foundation versus range couture or LARPing. Um, and the LARPing thing's interesting to me. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah. The other flip side to that is. You know, can you take your foundational clothing that you wear every day and make it, you know, a little bit more suitable for carrying a gun? So getting something like a quality concealed carry gun belt from somebody like Volan Gearworks um, with one of their, uh, what are they? The Acers and Acers, some others, yeah. Or the, the Magpul, the Tejas belt mm -hmm. um, that'll support, you know, a full-size handgun, a couple mags. If you had to put a couple rifle mags on there, it'll do that too. Yep. Um, but you're able to keep it all in a call it a low viz, no viz yeah. type setup. Absolutely. Um, and there's a ton of options for stuff like that too. And, and even if you are in a more dressy world where you need a little bit nicer belt, there's still places to get that kind of stuff that doesn't have the 1970s, 1980s stitching, um, a la gun sight, you know, or, or, uh, you know, I'm trying yeah, to think it's not of a wilderness the tactical belt. or the Bianchi belts, the leather yeah. belts with the stitching on them that just screams 1980s gun belt kind of thing. Um, you know, you can do some nice leather belts from some different places out there that, that look good in or neck down. So they look like dress belt up front, etc. So you definitely have some options there. Um, and again, these are conversations that we like to have because this is a little bit higher level look at the world versus the toy store look at the world. So, you know, if you're, you know, if you're around and you got a question about that kind of stuff or a question about belts or a question about holsters, you know, when you're in a store, stop in and talk to us about it because that's that stuff we find very interesting and can probably point you in some cool directions, even if it's not something we do, um, you know, because there's some of that stuff out there, there's a lot of options. So um, along the same line, pushing that mentality into weapons. Again, I mentioned, you know, the IDPA guy who shows up with a snubby or a G26. Um, and, and I'm going back to years ago, guys. I'm not picking on IDPA shooters. I think that there is a, a worthy aspect to doing some manner of vetting your skills under some kind of stress. Um, and, and the reality check is for most of us, um, you know, the timer and your buddies watching you is probably the most stress you're going to be under. Um, you know, the reality check is most of us can't go train in a gunfight type scenario. And not everyone has access to sims and stuff like that, too. Yeah. So, you know, going and shooting a USPSA or IDPA match and, and putting yourself under a little bit more stress than just doing drills in front of the mirror, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a good thing. So so the IDPA, IDPA guys that are butthurt, get over it. Um, but there's a reality check to switching out your gun to go train with. Uh, why wouldn't you train with the gun you carry all the time? Uh, I had a good customer in this week. Um, this is a guy who owns a, a number of guns, uh, probably new to the gun culture in the last decade. Um, and and this, this gentleman... It, he carries a G26 when he carries a gun, and that's what he trains with. He shoots the living crap out of a G26, and he goes and shoots IDPA matches with a G26. Um, and he talks a little bit about struggling with the sight radius, struggling with the sight picture because it's a little bit coarse compared to a 17 or whatever. But his mentality is, is gosh, that's the gun I carry. Why should I should be shooting it the most? And a lot of folks could benefit from sharing that a little bit. Not to say that getting reps with a similar or like platform is not still good, but it's not the same. Yeah. The other um, thing to add to that, IDPA in the last what four or five years has added their little gun category. Yes. So if you are rocking, you know, a Glock 43, um, Sig 365, yeah, Ruger Max, Ruger the EC9, Shield, Shield, Shield Plus, 
Shield Plus. Yeah. Um, they actually have a you know a competition category for yeah. those kind of guns. So you know, go go do some go do some work with your 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 little carry gun. Yeah, and and IDPA is also as a, as an organization. Um, is is very receptive to its membership and what its membership wants to be doing. Um, they do surveys, uh, you know, I don't know how often, but they do surveys and stuff like that, and they touch base with the people who are members. And say, and when the people come back and say, hey, we need a little gun category because that's what we carry, um, they listened and did it. And I expect to see probably a little gun with optics if there's not already kind of category. Um, and, and some of them have even been amenable to, like, uh, pistol caliber carbine stuff as well for some of the stages and different things like that. I don't know where that falls yet, but I know that that's a conversation going on. Um, IDPA is in touch with its membership as far as saying, okay, well, if this is what you guys want, then we'll figure out how to make it work. So I do think that's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, b back to that conversation about what do you carry on you every day? What do you carry with you every day? Um, again, if you're out there training on the range, you know, with your 16-inch or 18-inch recce gun, uh, doing drills and stuff like that. That's totally cool. It's trigger time. It's optics time. It's, you know, sight alignments, um, uh, you know, all that management of those skills time. And you're, you know, hopefully working on tactics and stuff along with that. But if you're not training with the gun, that's likely the one you're going to grab. You need to consider that. Uh, we, I, I had a conversation in the last couple of weeks, just a tales from behind the gun counter. Um, we got in some Mossberg shotguns and had a guy come in who was talking about, uh, you know, how they he'd done a couple rifle classes in the last couple of years and was really spending a lot of time shooting the rifle. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, do you, are you a law enforcement or anything like that? And he goes, no, no, you just, just want to be squared away with this stuff. Um, and I, I said, that, you know, awesome, that's cool to get out there and get in the class, especially with a rifle, because it's not cheap, especially in the last year. And, I, you know, I said, uh, you know, is that the same gun that you keep, you know, by the bedside or whatever? And he goes, oh, no, I use a shotgun for that. And I said, well, okay, when's the last time you took a shotgun class? And he kind of smiled cheapishly. He's like, uh, I haven't. And I'm like, okay, 80% of violence happens in the dark. And you probably spend a third of your life in bed while it's dark. So the gun you're going to grab probably should be the one you're familiar with. And he admitted that he wasn't, didn't grow up hunting, didn't grow up with a shotgun, uh, wasn't terribly familiar with it. But that's kind of the gun that everybody says you need to have by the bedside. And I said, well, maybe it's your rifle. So, you know, kind of a conversation around what are you using? If you have a shotgun, go take shotgun classes. Yeah. If you only have a pistol, go take pistol classes, you know, kind of mentality. So um, weapons-wise as well, um, not just gun size, but gussied up guns versus other guns. Um, right now, we, we love picking on the staccato guys um, because I'm jealous, and most of them have more money than I do, so they can afford, afford a staccato. Um, and, and so, we you know, we make fun of that, and we give these guys a little bit of grief because they're running the gun of the month, you know, the Gucci gun or gun of the year or whatever. Um, by the same token, uh, we have a number of customers who carry a staccato every day, um, whether it's a P or a C2 or something sexy, uh, whether it's something that's totally gussied up and been monsooned out. Um, you know, we got some guys in here with guns with, you know, colored paint jobs that, you know, that Lane and the guys at Monsoon have done. They're chunk ported. And these guys are beating the snot out of those guns and carrying them. Super cool. Um, but if you take that gun to the range, but then don't carry it because you don't want to scuff it up, or you have that mentality of if I smoke somebody with this gun, I don't want to give it up to the police for two years while the trial goes through, or something like that, probably not the right gun to be carrying. Um, if you're out there thrashing it, 
um, then by all means, run your staccato and burn bad guys to the ground if necessary. Yeah. Or if you spend all of your money on the gun but can't buy ammo to go train, probably not the right gun. Yeah, ouch. And that's been a conversation too, for sure. Um, spend a lot of money on that gun, and then you're trying to find cheap ammo only to find out that it's not set up to run cheap ammo, and now you've got an unreliable gun that you got to fight with a little bit. So. Yeah. Or you can't get the right holster, you can't get the yeah. right belt. Like, yeah. You know, Think of, you know, gun budget equals the total package, not just the firearm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we almost talk about, like, we used to tell people all the time that for concealed carry, a, conceal, a good concealed carry gun is 500 bucks. But getting concealed carry is about a $1,500 to $2,000 proposition between the training, the ammo necessary for the training, the ancillary gear, holsters, belts, etc. Um, if you're doing a staccato, you're probably not buying an Uncle Mike's holster for it. Although, I've seen that too. Um, you know who you are, young man. Fix yourself. Um, carrying around a staccato and one of those stupid, God, one of those like $17 soft with the cheap ass plastic clip holsters, uh, because I don't have anything else that fits it. Um, when you have a $2,000 gun is, oh, that's is, a meme waiting to happen. Oh my God. It was, it was brutal. And, and he's a young dude and he's working his way through it. God bless him. Um, but good Lord. Um, anyway, yeah, you know who you are and, and we had this conversation, so I'm not talking out of school. Uh, but yeah, you know, good holsters, uh, a lot of the staccato staccato with a light staccato with a spare mag stuff, you're talking about premium holster manufacturers. So you're going to tier one for concealment stuff. You're going someplace like that. Those are going to be $200 holsters. That's not a, that's not a 50, $60, um, holster, you know, from Galco or somebody like that, or one of the plastics from, uh, Uncle Mike's, Michael's of Oregon, whatever, or a, or a Serpa, you know, so be aware of that. That whole package thing will bite you sometimes. Um, I, you know, and, I, and I, I, anything else you want to add when it comes to that specifically, like, you know, your carry guns versus whatever. Yeah. Same thing goes, you know, if you've got, you got a super fancy, you know, Glock, don't unglock your Glock. Yep. Um, if you're going to run, you know, an optic on the gun you train with, you should probably run an optic on the gun you can get a fight with. Yep. Uh, so trying to keep, you know, stuff in the same system or just, you know, keep the, you go train with the gun you run. Yeah. And get really good with that one. And understand that that may mean building two of those guns. You know, there is some old-timey wisdom that you've got one gun you thrash on and train with all the time, but you have the identical gun that you've run enough to vet, but then you carry that gun. Uh, but you got two of them, and that also puts you in a position where if you do spend good money in ammo and lodging and expenses on a class, you take two guns, one of them does happen to fail. Even good guns break occasionally. Yeah. You've got a spare gun ready to go. And if maybe somebody's in the class and their gun craps, you're the, you're the guy that gets to save the day. Um, so definitely, you know, keep those things in mind from that systems approach. Um, if your system, if there's no system, if it's a collection, that's a lot tougher thing to, to support logistically yeah. and keep things working. So, um, the, probably the last part of this train, like your fight thing is, you know, we talk about, um, you know, traveling with weapons, uh, you know, you're away from home, uh, whether that's like your trunk monkey or your truck gun or whatever it is, or maybe it's just the handgun that you choose to carry, whatever. Um, you know, again, train, train like you fight with it. Uh, we've got some local PD guys here, um, that because of their job, they're working with guns that are like smaller blackout guns or smaller nine millimeter subtype guns, um, in packs that are relatively innocuous looking. Um, you know, when you take a look at some of these bags and stuff for your gun, does it scream gun? Um, does it have some kind of logo on it that gun guys are going to know? Understand that real bad guys, when they go to jail, are taking a master's course on how to identify where guns are, who has them, uh, what an undercover cop looks like, um, what a cake-eating civilian with a gun and a bag looks like, etc. 
Um, you know, so to take a look at some of those bags, one of the things that, you know, we've been recommending, there are some manufacturers out there like Grey Ghost and some others that are making bags that they look like a college kid's backpack. Um, there are some other manufacturers out there that vomit molly on top of everything. Um, and those guns look like cop bags or look like military bags, and that's easy to pick oh, up. Oh, that sounds like 5.11. Yeah, yeah, 5.11 is <laughs> good for that. Well, and the old school Maxpedition versus other yeah. stuff too. So, um, you know, so definitely, you know, just be aware of what that stuff looks like. The other thing is if you're, if you're carrying it like that, train with it. Um, you know, if you're doing vehicle-based stuff, peel out of the vehicle with that bag on you. Or if you're going to, you know, I'm going to tell you that you want to get out of the vehicle probably with your handgun. And then you want to, and then you want to get to a point of cover, point of domination. You want to use the terrain, use the battlefield to your best advantage. Um, and then from there, you know, you want to, you want to grab that bag and go from there, and then open it up and get your gun out, etc. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're training with that gun already slung up, that's cool for certain drills and stuff like that. But do you have the reps? It's, a, it's the holster. Yep. So do you have the reps getting that system out of its carry system, out of its logistic device that gets it wherever? And then what else is in that bag with it? Um, if that bag is packed up like a balloon and ready to pop and you can't access any of the pockets in it without some manner of tactical gear or magazine spilling out or gun spilling out, you might reconsider that too because if it becomes your man purse, but stuff you need is in with the gun or in with the mags versus in with maybe med gear or in with other snivel gear that's on the outside of the pack that's how you need to run it too so just be aware of that kind of stuff um you know we the mall hero syndrome gets people identified i think fairly quickly if they're running you know the wrong stuff um and while we sell some of that stuff one of the conversations here recently has been you know get, get, get measurements on your stuff and then go to rei with a tape measure and buy an rei bag um, because nobody's looking at it it might not hold up quite as well jamming a gun in and out of it as some of the 500D ripstop Cordura nylon stuff does. But if you pack it appropriately and maybe set it up with a Kydex sheet or something like that, it's, it's not going to show quite as much. Um, yeah. But again, back to the idea of if, if you actually, if you're actually going to use something like that and drag something around with you, be skilled with it, be skilled in deploying it, especially, um, but be skilled in not being noticed with it as well. Yeah, so. there really aren't any true off-the-shelf, you know, bags that are going to carry a gun like that. Um, even the, the tactical bags. Yeah. You're going to have to do some kind of modification. Absolutely. Yeah. On the inside to hold things securely to make sure stuff doesn't print. Yep. Um, yeah, so be if you're going to go down that road, you know, be willing and ready to get out the crafting supplies and yes. do some work. Yeah, and there and some of the companies out there, like, you know, we're... we're we're talking about Vertex bags being highly visible. We're talking about 511 bags generally being recognizable, especially by law enforcement yeah. or by gun guys who know, um, who do the same things. Um, you know, be, be aware of that. Those companies also make um, devices that go in those bags that will assist in those. They make things like Velcro wrap straps and stuff like that. They make things like buckets, uh, Velcro buckets that you can put on the inside of a panel to stick the muzzle of the gun in. So the muzzle's not poking down into the bottom of the bag, looking like a gun muzzle poking in the bottom of a bag. So if you, you know, if you, that is the advantage to a GG a Grey Ghost bag or to a Vertex bag or whatever, is that they have a huge Molly panel that you can set stuff in the middle of the panel and not have it poking through the bag or looking like that. Plus, it just carries better; it's more yeah. comfortable, um, especially if you have to put it on and walk a couple miles with it. And if you've never done that, try that too. Um, there's a reality check that if it's your bug out bag or your get home bag. Um, does it actually work to put on and walk some distance with it? Because if you're the dude walking around with your gun out and nobody's shooting, you're a target 
by everybody. You're a target by law enforcement, and you're a target by a dude with a rifle with a scope on it. <laughs> you might get smoked by a dude with a 1022 <laughs> yeah. uh, from 100 yards away. So, yeah. You know, um, so not, not looking the part, being realistic about what you're doing, and then training with the stuff and learning how to use it, both the gun and, as importantly, the carrier, the, the you know, the gear, the bag, whatever. So yeah. uh, Also, reload out of one of those. Um, if you get into a gunfight with your trunk monkey, with your rifle, or your, your high-cap PCC or something like that, um, if you get to a reload, they'll probably write songs about you in Valhalla, um, or you're a really bad guy, one or the other. Um, but, you know, know how to do a reload out of it, even though it's like statistically you're probably not going to get to it. Um, it'd be a good thing to understand where your stuff's at, where's your med gear at in that bag, etc. So, um, but just train like you're going to fight, and when we say fight, we don't mean... Um, strapping on all your multi-cam stuff because you're getting deployed to Syria for three months. We mean like you're walking around the U.S., like you're walking around Columbus, Ohio, or yeah. Dublin, Ohio, or wherever. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, get out and train. Figure this stuff out before you need to. Yep. Break a sweat occasionally. So, you can take a shower. It's cool. No one will tell. All right. Yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, as we get new things into the store, we come across... Cool concepts for low-vis, no-vis, carry, etc. cetera. Uh, we generally post that stuff to our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, search for Cap City Outfitters. Uh, also, we do an email newsletter once a week. It comes out on Friday mornings. So you can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. Uh, also, on our website, you can find valuable information, such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to... But purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. And then lastly, please come visit us at the store. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Uh, we're here Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 5, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, guys.